Shalom everybody, we are continuing with where we left off in the Kutei Alachot, section Orachayim, Hilchot Birchat Hoda'a, the blessings of giving thanks, Birchat Gomel, discourse number 6, paragraph 22. At this point, Rav Nosen deviates, goes away from the details of the Hanukkah festival and lights, and now begins to focus more again on the idea of the oil. He initially started that when he went into Hanukkah on the concept of the oil, introducing to us what it represents, the Shemen Mishchat Kodesh, the all oil that was used in holiness is, is, has a similar component to the anointing oil, which was used to inaugurate all the vessels of the Holy Temple, including the menorah, which was called Shemen Mishchat Kodesh, a holy anointing oil. And from there, Rav Nosen deducts and shows that, that the whole idea of olive oil, which is used in the temple, the idea of the oil, and in general, oil represents, but in the context of holiness of the holy devices of the holy temple, it refers to drawing down the dat, being a vessel to draw down dat, because the Zohar calls dat shemen mishchat kodesh, the brain which functions like a wick, like a nair, like a candle, if you remember, that the, the brain burns the bodily fluids and burns like a wick. And j- so there's a comparison between oil burning a wick to the brain burning, burning the oily fluids of the body. And, and for the brain to perceive, it needs the fluid, fluidy, oily, fatty oils of the body. <clears throat> so that to think, to perceive knowledge, so that's the idea how oil is connected to the brain, the mind, the, th- the knowledge. But holy oil is the knowledge of Hashem, the Da'at HaKadosh. Da'at is called Kodesh, like Rabbi Nachman points out in Lesson 24 also, and other places in the Kutim Moran. The Da'at is holiness. True knowledge is the knowledge of holiness, the knowledge of Hashem, of perceiving Hashem. And the essence of perceiving Hashem is or, infinite light, and the joy generated from that or. So basically, Da'at is to perceive Simcha, to have Simcha in Hashem in your life. That is the greatest um, expression of Da'at is joy. That's the sign of joy. Not that person is so intellectually advanced and he's so profound and deep. The goal, the proof, the, what has to show for Da'at of Hashem is that it generates Simcha because you're tapping into the source of Simcha. Because Hashem is called infinite light. And this light is associated with Simcha, like Rav Nosen went into a lot earlier. So at this point, Rav Nosen now goes back to the ideas of the oil, but in particular with the menorah lighting in the Beit HaMikdash. Look what he says. Valken, techef achar tzivui ma'aseh mishkan me'parashat truma. Thus we see the following that immediately after the commandment to make the tabernacle in the desert, which is basically in the Chumash Shemot coming up, Parashat Chuma, right after the whole parasha, which talks about constructing and making the various parts of the Mishkan, the tabernacle, immediately, okay, Nitztava miyad al-hadlakat shemen ha before anything of what's going to take place in the tabernacle, the first commandment in what's going to be in the tabernacle was in Parshat Tetzaveh, the beginning of Parshat Tetzaveh, which is the Parsha following Truma, and also it's following 
in historically, the first commandment we're given after the parasha of the tabernacle is the mitzvah which begins parasha tetzavah on the lighting of the candles of the menorah. And this proceeds, before even going into the, the details of the sacrifices, which are also mentioned eventually in Parashat Tetzaveh, right? The first thing mentioned is the lighting of the menorah candles. Rav Nosson pointing out why. What is the precedence of lighting the menorah over the korbanot, which is the actual activity taking place in the tabernacle? So look what he says. But first of all, the proof to that, like it says immediately after Parsha Chuma, the beginning verse, immediately of Parsha Tetzaveh, this is Shmot chapter 27, verse 2, the opening verse of Parsha Tetzaveh. And you, Moshe, should command, right, to bring the following. They should bring to you. Shemen Zaidzach means oil, which is so refined. Like Rashi explains there on that verse, that what type of olive oil was used for the menorah? They would press the oil, and the first drop, the first drop that came out of the oil, only that drop from every olive was used for the menorah. Afterwards, they would take the rest of the oils and grind them, and the following oils would be able to be used for the meal offerings. The korban mincha, which required olive oil also, but it's a secondary category level, a lower level, a sub-level of the olive oil, which is not used for the candles. Candles is only the first drop, which is zayit zach, shemen zayit zach, oil of olives that is pure, okay? And that's the beginning commandment of the menorah. So Rav Nosson explains why, what is, what's going on here. What is the Torah trying to sh- explain to us and express to us? First of all, what was the tabernacle? What was the purpose of the tabernacle? Ki kol Because, first of all, you have to understand, the whole activity, the action of the Mishkan, which by extension is the activity of the Holy Temple standing in Yerushalayim afterwards, it's the same thing, what applies in the Mishkan, applies automatically to Beit HaMikdash because we learn out all the ideas of the Beit HaMikdash from the, from the Mishkan. It was to be continued in the Holy Land, but now called the Beit HaMikdash, right? Like we're commanded to build the Beit HaMikdash. What was the purpose? The main incentive of the tabernacle was in order to rectify the blemish caused by the golden calf made by the Jewish people, the Erev and the Jews who participated in it, all of Israel who, who, who were witnesses to it, which is the main, main example and epitome of the exchanged chambers overcoming and overpowering the Jewish people. Like we said in Lesson 24, the Yetzirah, the evil, gets a person by fooling him, by exchanging confusing and frustrating the person, switching truth to falsehood, right to wrong, light to darkness, holiness to impurity, tzaddikim to wickedness. In other words, the way the Yitzhar gets a person is by confusing the mind. And the confusion causes an exchange. You don't see clear. All types of crazy ideas 
drive a person nuts to try to take him away from clarity and the straightforward path to have clear perspective and perception of serving Hashem, that is exchanged. Okay, that's the main battle we have in this world, is fighting the Etzara, which his tactic is called exchanging. That's why he's called exchange chambers. The domain of the evil is called exchange chambers. Now the main example in the Torah, the primary example for the whole Jewish nation to work on an exchange was when the Jews exchanged the service of Hashem with an idol worship. The biggest exchange possible. To switch Hashem for an idol? What in the world? You know, you can play games with other person and other items, but to go at the root itself, to exchange Hashem Himself with an eagle, a golden ox, a golden calf, a baby ox, what in the world? <laughs> what in the world? It was so despicable. Like he's going to say, look, Rav brings the verse to, to explain this. Like it says in Psalms, chapter 106, verse 20, where the psalmist is depicting a review of what happened in the desert, that the Jews exchanged their honor for uh, for an ox for a golden calf. The wording is is, is what Rav is going to show his point from. The verse reads there, again, chapter Psalm 106, verse 20, and the Jews exchanged, the word hamra'a, yamiru, Rav Nosson says, and, and that's, the, the, that's the, the translation of this word, which is similar to hechalat tmura, has also the memrash root, and vayamiru is what, and the Jews exchanged et kvodam, their honor, their honor, the Minchat Shai points out, as well as other commentaries. This is one of the 18 verses that has what's called the Tikkun Sofrim. That the Torah, for honor of Hashem, changes the wording. In other words, the wording of the verse should have read, Vayamiru et Kevodo. And the Jews exchanged Hashem's honor, again the rest of the verse, Betavnit Shor, with an image of an ox, which is the golden calf, etc., that the Jewish people exchanged the honor of Hashem, not just for any idol, but a low-class idol. The verse continues, The image of an ox eating, who eats grass. What's so bad about that? The Gemara teaches that there's no more despicable uh, image as when an ox eats. When an ox eats grass, first of all, it gets its food so dirty with its rear, its phlegm, the, the phlegm in the mouth, the mucus, whatever you want to call it, the liquids of the mouth are just oozing from the cow's mouth, partly because of regurgitation, but also because of the digestive enzymes taking, taking place, but they ooze onto what he's eating. So he eats the grass together with his rear, with his... His, his disgusting uh, uh, phlegm and mucus, whatever coming out of his saliva that's coming out of his mouth, he's eating it together with it. And there's some opinions that say also that when the ox is eating, he's also um, defecating, making, number two, immensely. So it's like a whole disc, and he's like walking and standing in his garbage and the stench and everything while eating also. So the point is, Hashem is like, as if saying, the psalmist is saying in this psalm, it's not enough that you exchange Hashem for an idol, but you made an idol the image of a calf, 
which is representing an ox, like the verse where it's Tavnit Shor Ochen Esav, the ox while it's eating, it's, you, couldn't, you couldn't pick something else, <laughs> something more respectable. You also picked a golden, like an ox whose, whose expression in eating is dis- considered disgusting. Disgusting? And that's the honor? It's like a low, it's amazing how the opposite of honor is, like, is, is reflected in disgusting eating of, a, of an ox, a dafka eating. Like the, the, the psalmist is pointing out, Tavnit Shor Ochel Esav, where in his eating it's really low, low class. Specifically the idea of the eating, which is amazing that it's pointed on the verse. But Rav Nosen is bringing this verse on the focus of the initial word, Vayamiru, that they exchanged. And he wants to say from this, that the golden calf was an exchange, was the epitome of the Jews falling into the trap of the exchange chambers. Exchanging Hashem's honor itself with an idol such as the golden calf, okay? And the temple, and the tabernacle, and eventually the temple, came to fix that sin, because we are till today still suffering from such an exchange. Because, again, the, how the Yetzirah works in society and life, never do they hit it head, head on. When evil people try to persuade someone, it's like, by the way, on the side, you know, you know, you know, like Rav Nassim brings down that uh, in his time, these like crazy low-life atheistic Jews, they wrote a book to try to convince people to read it. They started off, uh, the, the title of the book was Why It's Forbidden to Talk in a Shul and in a Study Hall. And then from that, they went, create, that's how they attracted people to open the book. And from there, they started running into, you know, you, know you, sh- you shouldn't even have to wear a head covering, a kippah while you're in the shul. And it made me josh. It's, it's so crazy. They went to try to convince someone, because like Rashi brings the rule, in order, in Parshat Shlach and the Meraglim, the spies, in order to, for, for falsehood to be accepted, you have to mix in some truth with it. Okay, so this rule of fooling people, you have to mix in some truth. But it's mixed in, it's an admixture afterwards with falsehood, and the falsehood gets the better part of the person, of the convincing. But it's, it, you, the attack on society and people, you never hit head on with total evilness. Okay? It's always mixed in, mixed in, okay? But here by the golden calf, you, do, you go and exchange Hashem Himself. What are you going to cover up with that? Oh, we're just worshiping the idol. But you can't, there's no like false, there's no emet at all, not even a modicum of emet in the golden calf. It's total, total exchange. Total exchange with no trying to convincing. It, it was direct. You're exchanging Hashem. You're stupid what you're going to be doing. That the Erev Rav were now mixed up and upside down. Moshe is not coming down. He's abandoned us. We need, to, we need a new leader, a new, a new idol to be an intermediary between us and Hashem now. And we're going to worship that, that intermediary. Moshe Benu was a tzaddik. He wasn't being worshipped. He was able, that was his greatness of Moshe Benu, to be a, a, a means for people to connect to Hashem. To worship Hashem. He just was there, an intermediary to help them with their prayers and their encouragement and strengthen them and in his prayers and his merit to get the Jews connected to Hashem. He wasn't there, God forbid, to be the worshiper, the point, the the final goal. But when he was taken out of the picture, the Jews felt such a loss, a darkness. You know, we need we need someone to to replace us. Instead of appointing another leader, like go to Yeshua or a student, another student of Moshe Rabbeinu, they went right straight, head on, dead end, to making an idol. Come on. It was so 
so outwardly in exchange, so clear. So Vinosan says that's why it was the tachlit he wrote. He said, "Gabu techalat mod." The 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 overpowering of the exchange chambers came out in the golden calf to the extent that till today we're paying for it. Like Rashi says, we're quoting the Gemara, the sages, that any time the Jewish people suffer, that it's mixed in the suffering is a punishment, a partial punishment for the golden calf. We're still paying for the price because we were all there at the time. We're reincarnations, we're sparks of the Jews who were there at the time of Har Sinai and also the golden calf. So we are re- reincarnated with that blemish in the reincarnation that we have to pay for still. Okay? So that's why there was a temple initiated and the tabernacle initiated to help us in rectifying the golden calf. Today we don't have a temple, so our prayers, our prayers are, are instead of that, and everything we do to commemorate the work and the service and the tabernacle and the Beit Hamikdash is to help to fix the the chetaigan, the, the sin of the golden calf, which is the exchange. So going back, Rav Nosson's point is vayamiru et kevodam, right? That it was an exchange. That's Rav Nosson's proof of of connecting the golden calf with the exchange chambers. The verse itself says that. And what is Yamiro also? Shezebechinat. Rav Nosson says, and the idea of exchanging the the honor of Hashem with a tavnit shor. This word vayamiru is connected to a revolt, defiance. Shezebechinat. This is also this word hamraa. Exchange is worded to defiance, like we see in another verse in Psalms, in chapter 78, verse 40, where also is going over the history a little bit. The psalmist is going over what the Jews did, the wrongs done in the desert. Like the verse reads, Kama yamruhu vamidbar How much, in other words, how much, did, so much so that did the Jews do the following of defiance, yamruhu, defying Hashem in the desert, making Hashem angry, sad, ya'atzivu, making Hashem sad, bishimon, in the in the wasteland, which is a reference to the desert also, etc. So Rav Nosen points out that the defiance of Hashem, yamruhu, is connected to the exchange chambers, because anytime you exchange good from evil, it is in a way an extension of defiance of Hashem. Just a classic example, the epitome is Cheta Egen, where it was clearly, Vayamiru et Kvodam, Vimamash literally exchanged the honor of Hashem, Kvodo, it should we read, but it's read, it's written, Kvodam, their honor, or it's Hashem's honor, really, to exchange Hashem's honor, and everything that's from the Hechalit Murat is called a defiance. In that you're defying Hashem. You're, you're revolting against Hashem. Okay? Valken. Okay, so that's the problem. And now the solution was the temple and the tabernacle. What's with the menorah? So what the Korv explains. Va'alken, therefore, haya hathalat tikkun avodat hamishkan al yedei nerot menorah Therefore, if all of this said, the beginning point of the rectification, rectifying the service of the tabernacle and by extension the service of the Beit HaMikdash, started with, the initial tikkun starts with what the Torah in Parashat Tetzaveh shows us in the beginning of what's taking place in the tabernacle. First thing, lighting the candles of the menorah. Shemadikin, like we said earlier, if you remember, Shemadikin be'oel mo'ed, michutz la'parochet, she'sham klaliyut aredifa v'ameakev v'chule. That the menorah candles were lit in the tent of meeting, which is outside the, of, of Holy of Holies, 
outside the Kodesh Kodashim, the Hechal, right? This was the, the, the antechamber before the Holy of Holies, where stood the menorah and the showbread and the golden altar for the Ketoret, okay? And, but the initial point mentioned is Dafka, specifically the menorah, these candles that were lit in the tent of meeting, outside, like we said, if you remember, outside of the parochet, the drape, the holy drape separating between the Holy of Holies, where stood the ark, where no one was allowed in, which, like if you remember, it connotes, it represents the infinite light experience itself. So much so that only the Kohen Gadol went in once a day on Yom Kippur to experience total exposure, in a sense, to the infinite light, but for a moment, and that day only, to go in, to experience the infinite light, and to bring it out for the rest of the Jewish people for the rest of the year, and then it continues on a daily basis with the lighting of the menorah that took place every day. In other words, the, the Kohen Gadol going in, like we, we all said this earlier, if you remember, him going in, in Yom Kippur was to, yes, tap into the infinite light, but he had to come out. Coming out is the idea of mate vela mate, reaching and not reaching, mentioned by Rabbi Nachman. But it was thanks to a vessel built by the Jewish people all year round, which is what? The lighting of the menorah on behalf of the Am Yisrael also. What is, what is the lighting of the menorah? Look what he says again. First of all, again, the candles were lit outside of them and the men out of the parochet, that there, at that point, at the point of the menorah, took place. If you recall, we spoke about this many times, the joining, the unification of what's called the running, running forward, and then being stopped, prevented, bouncing back, being refrained, ma'akev, a prevention. That this is the way how we perceive the infinite light, how we perceive Hashem, how we can tap into the source of joy, which is part of the infinite package and parcel of the infinite light, it's in the format of reaching and not reaching, which is running forward and then being bounced back. So the, the running forward and bounce back took place at the parochet, because that's the maximum. They can't go past it. So it's like going up to the parochet, the maximum you can, which is where the Kohenim are allowed to all year round, which is that oil moed, where stood the menorah. And at the same time, you can't go forward. You can go up to that point, but you refrain because of the pre, of the parochet, the drape, which doesn't allow, it's forbidden to pass that point. At that point, which is running, which connotes reaching the maximum possible level of holiness, which is the oil moed, so it's gone forward, the priest, the high priest, reaching that level, gets up to the level of the parochet, but he can't go forward, so it's a bounce back, okay? At that point, what happens? The lighting, what takes place there? The lighting of the menorah. The lighting menorah is there outside of the parochet, not inside, on the other side, on our side, because it's running and as if bounced back at that point where the running and the bounce takes place all year round. That's where the menorah the candles are lit. Okay? And we went into this earlier. Kitechef. So Rav Nassim just goes back into what was happening with the Jewish people who donated money towards building the making the menorah also okay kitekhef kishitkhilu la'asok ba'avodat hamishkan immediately when the Jews begin to be involved in the service of the tabernacle which was to rectify the golden calf the damage of the exchange chambers to get out of it okay because they were stuck into it by being exposed to the golden calf they were already tainted 
by being trapped in the exchange chambers already, even after the golden calf was burnt and destroyed and those who are worshipped it openly were killed, right? And those who didn't, that's us, the remainder, have to pay for it for the rest of, until Mashiach comes, okay? So the beginning point of rectification is the big construction of the temple, the tabernacle. So he says, as soon immediately that they begin now to be involved in the service of the Mishkan, the, the, the donations came in, and the, the Jews gave the donations with a, a good heart. They gave the donations and the dava from the heart of a good heart with, uh, with, and, and, and tremendous joy because they knew that this is the key for rectification of the damage of the exchange chambers in order to perceive the infinite light again. So as soon as they started giving the donation, Rav Nosson points out, Nimshach Aleyhem Simcha. They already were able to draw upon themselves joys. Even though the temple wasn't built yet, the fact that they were giving their donations of gold and silver, whatever, to, to, to donate towards the Mishkan, that itself brought them joy. And the joy generated from the donations they gave towards the Mishkan, that now furthered their Simcha by allowing them now to go up to these levels which is the idea of the Radifa and the Me'akev, to reach that point where you're running and running and running to perceive God because of such a joy. Joy here, if you notice, is due to Hashem showing there's hope for you. There's hope, there's still hope, I love you, and you can come forward. When a Jew hears that, he drops everything. Hashem loves me. There's hope for me. What I do has a value. He wants it. He wants my tefillin, he wants my Shabbat. So in this case, when they heard that this is going to rectify the golden calf, this is what's going to help get them out of the exchange chambers, they were so happy doing it. And the happiness pushed them forward, because through this, they'll get out of the exchange chambers. It's, again, it's always at levels, it's endless levels, what Rosen says earlier, that you don't fully get out of the exchange chambers, you get out, to reach a certain point, and you go back in to, to, to extract more holiness trapped in the exchange chambers. And this is a process until Mashiach comes. And when Mashiach comes, like we said earlier, Rav Nosson pointed that out, it'll be at its, at its maximum, fully. That that's when the, the exchange chambers will be totally destroyed. Like Rabbi Nachman says in the lesson 24, You yourselves will bring the Jewish people out of the Galut, which represents the exchange chambers. You'll be destroyed. That's when it takes fully place the destruction of the exchange chambers and everything that comes from it okay so with this process the simcha that Hashem wants me to go forward ah allows me to reach up to these tikkunim that he says this then the Jews as a whole with the, with the donations towards the Mishkan began to go up the levels mentioned in, in lesson 24 from the clipboard to the feet to the feet to the hands the hands to the brain all this is mentioned in lesson 24 and then from the brain with the Emunah coming down, the person now reaches what's called the Redifan and Ma'akev, the running forward, you're about to perceive the infinite light, and then you're bounced back, and that, at that point, the candles are lit in order to shine the nine chambers, the light of the nine chambers, Bezat Hashem, because nine as opposed to ten, the tenth Kedusha is the Holy of Holies, and the Ohel Moed, when we look at the seven candles of the menorah, we look at the room it was lit in, the room called the Ohel Moed was Kedusha number nine, before the Parochet, that's the number nine there, okay? So all these rectifications were initiated with the, with the joy in the hearts of the Jew, the Jews to donate towards the Mishkan, okay? 
עד שגמו המשכן והדליקו מיד נרות המנורה בשמן משחת קודש. Until they finally finished completing the building of the tabernacle. And the first devotion, after everything was ready, was to light immediately, because the parsha indicates that. By the opening verse of Tetzaveh, Tzivui, command, is lighting candles. It's as if this is, this is what's needed first. Why is it mentioned first? To show its priority. Okay? So then the candles were lit immediately, Rav Nosen points out, the lighting of the candles of menorah, with what oil, the same common denominator of the anointing oil, because it's pure oil, Shemen Mishchat Kodesh, this oil, which is a holy anointing oil, which represents the Da'at, like we said, the perception of the, of the infinite light within the vessels of the nine chambers, created by the, the being the bounce back. That's what the candles were actually lit in that section, the ninth chamber, indicating that. Through this, you're able to draw even greater joy in life. You're able to draw the light of joy from the root of joy, which is the infinite light. And as we mentioned earlier.